What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Welcome to the Elevated Podcast, based on the best-selling books, Elevated and Excavated. I am co-author Virgil Herring, and joining me as always, co-author and great friend Drew Maddox. Drew, how are we doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Virgil. I hope you're having a great week. I hope our listeners are having a great week as well. It's uh, been a great week. We have a big word today. Yeah. It has, a, it has many layers to it. Devout. Oh, goodness. Yeah. When you think of being devout, what does it mean to you? Yeah. You know, I, I wrote in the book two applications to devout in, in modern day usage of it was, you know, when you hear people that are devout in their faith, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you hear on, uh, as it relates in the in the sports arena that we love so much or just devout fan base, you know, yeah. just the, the the tie. But but with those two applications comes the articulation of when you're devout to me, it's a whole level up of commitment. Yeah. You know, I I think there's commitment and then there's a devout commitment and devout commitment is like commitment with some kerosene poured on it. Mm -hmm. It's just that deeper level of connection, the deeper willingness to go further, to fight for, to stay in, uh, even above and beyond, uh, what you even think you're even capable of doing. Yeah. Devout just has that deeper connection and commitment that moves into conviction that you can stay in the fight. Yeah, I was thinking of unwavering conviction or faith in a direction. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like you're committed to something, but there's levels of commitment. Yep. And then you're devout. So the things that strike me, like the first person that I think of that's, that I heard about devout was former Laker A.C. Green. Ooh. Okay. So, okay. I love, by the way, I love when we talk like 80s NBA. Like, <laughs> it just lights my heart up. So when you think about Showtime. <laughs> yeah. And what was going on during Showtime? Yeah. I mean, you, we have, if you're watching, the, if you're watching the, the, the series on Magic Johnson and that whole thing, it was a wild party in L.A., and it was a perfect name for the sh- for Showtime. How would how could they even stay focused on the game itself or the team? It, it was amazing they were winning championships yeah. when you see the whirlwind around those. And guys. I really think that it also just goes to show that there weren't many teams to beat then, <clears throat> because I think that was kind of going on across the board. Even Jordan talked about it well, in the first true. first year at Chicago. Yeah. People were drinking beers and smoking cigarettes. That's true. You know, before games, <laughs> halftime, whatever. It's kind of things changed, yeah. right? So everybody's in the the same non-committed, non-professional atmosphere. Yeah. What would always change is it is money. Yeah. Right. When there's that kind of money involved, and you realize what you could lose if you don't get your act together. But I mean, at the, in those times, think about it. It was the Lakers, the Sixers, and the Celtics. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I think maybe the Rockets with Moses Malone went into a finals. But I mean, almost every year, and the SuperSonics. 
with Jack Sigma snuck in there one year, yeah. and and one of Walton's teams out west snuck in. But mostly, it's the Lakers either played the Sixers or the Celtics for essentially a fifteen years. Right. Right. AC Green was a devout Christian and would not play in that world. Mm. He was he was like when the game was over, he went to his room. He was married. He was a, a faithful father and, mm. and 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 husband, and he was not willing to do anything that every single other person was doing. Yeah. But I think really the biggest face of devout is Tim Tebow. Oh, no doubt. Tim Tebow at first when I was when he was at the University of Florida, first of all I didn't like Florida. <laughs> right? So he, and they kept winning. Right. But how he would keep on using his faith as a as like where he'd start. Mm-hmm. We're not used to seeing that in that time frame. And then he took it to the NFL and it actually pulled apart teams yeah. because of how committed and devout he was yeah. to the fact that before I praise myself or my teammates, or probably before I praise my teammates or myself, yeah. that's how he was. Yeah. I'm praising God first because yeah. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have the gifts that I have if it wasn't for him. And now, like when he went to the Denver Broncos, which is my all-time favorite NFL yeah. team, I tried to take it to a different light. And then I started to study him a little bit. And I'm like, wait a second. One of the things I appreciate from anybody, whether you're Buddhist, Islamic, Christian, whatever, is that if you can, if you walk the walk and talk the talk, I'm all in. Yeah. Because it's all about if you can do what you say you're going to believe in. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for that. Action meets words. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So and as soon as and he just constantly delivered messages yeah. that started from the foundation of who he was, mm-hmm. and no matter what anybody in the media or on a team tried to do to sway him away from his his Christian centric message. Yeah. He's like he he didn't he didn't dig in. He was a foundation. Yeah. He wasn't moving. Well, I appreciate your your concern. I appreciate the way you want to do it. This is how Tim Tebow's going to do it. Yeah. And that level of commitment shows up in his life what he does in the business world what he does in his philanthropic world what he did in in baseball what he did in football all of what tim tebow is starts with his foundation and his belief in his his faith yeah and i would almost say largely our world is devoid of that yeah i love you started at the very top i think the word what or the two words together was unwavering conviction yeah and you know certainly i mean if we want to stay on this thought of tim tebow and just the inspiration he is back to whatever your religious affiliation is Mm -hmm. and and take away you know the elements of whatever preconceived notion or judgment you had about him you know maybe it's too good to be true or you're not who you say you are whatever it is but just in whatever way that you want to apply that energy in a direction of being devout and convicted in your belief set like man that's something we all got to grab hold of because whatever that looks like in your life that level of conviction and devout uh uh belief can be applied in any area of your life. So his happened to be in that direction, which I'm a Christian. So man, it inspires me every day. Yeah. I mean, you know, just, I want to, I want to be walking out my faith in that direction yeah. and be that bold in, in the way that I live. 
Correct. That being said, um, you know, I, I was as you were talking, I was thinking about my, you know, just as our minds go different places, mm-hmm. different ways. My, my mind went to uh, like even the way you're devout in relationships, that energy, that unwavering conviction in the way that you love. Yeah. And so I was thinking about even like LeBron James, you know, and he's been unconventional and countercultural with the way that he has stayed committed and devout to his circle that he grew up with. Yeah. You know, Maverick Carter and, uh, you know, these guys that he's placed around him and they've broke the mold and actually been super successful. But it started with the way that they were devout and loyal in the yeah. way that they did relationship. So same energy applied in a different sense, devout in your vertical alignment in your faith or in a higher being. It can also be applied horizontally, devout in the way that you do relationships and care for other people, that it's unwavering in the way that you love and the way that you lead and the way that you serve. For sure. And, and once again, devout, loyalty, unwavering yeah. commitment. They are tested by materialistic things yes. or outcomes, money, power, prestige. Yeah. Right. Yes. So I would imagine the well, idols of the heart. That's right. Yeah. So when you're, when you're LeBron and you're the star of this particular situation and it's obvious that he is, I can't imagine the kind of conversation that he had with all of his, his friends that are part of his circle to keep them loyal to their squad yeah and how they're going to handle millions of dollar opportunities that might not be they might be a decayer of the brand even though it's a lot of money yep or how maybe bringing somebody else in could be a cancer yep. you know the level of of commitment to the goal yeah has to, I think it has to be set clear and in front of day one on the job, yep. so to speak. Yeah. Because I, the, the temptations of money, power, and prestige yep. are tantalizing and have brought down even the greatest. Yeah. And I admire people who don't succumb to it. Yeah. Because it's really difficult. I can't imagine how difficult it is. I mean, right now my sport is dealing with it in golf. Like live golf is taxing a lot of things you know there are people now that are choosing right now because they're if they choose to go from the pga tour to the live tour they're basically throwing away history yeah or their ability to achieve history in golf to make generational wealth occur for their family yeah 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 they're they're being canceled out of yeah history golf circles the future ability to do, uh, to be a part of. Yeah. Because like you said, in order to take care of their families in a way that they wouldn't have been otherwise able to. So therein lies the, what are you actually loyal to? Right. That, that brings up that split in the road. Yeah. yeah. And to me, I think what, what we're seeing, and I, I think it's only going to get more profound after the FedEx cup. Yeah. Cause the FedEx cup ends Labor Day weekend. So that, high-end elite golf ends right as college football and NFL starts. Yeah. So they didn't compete because it was a dollars issue for advertising. So they, they changed the schedule to get the primetime big boy golf stuff over before football starts. Well, if they get world golf ranking points, 
four really big names are leaving to go to live because then they'll be able to play in the major championships, which is really the only reason why people really try to get on the PGA Tour so they can play in the Masters, the U.S. Open, the, the Open Championship, and the PGA Championship, and the players. Those five events, although the players is not a major, it's close. That's why they're everybody's trying to get to the PGA Tour because that's where the most money is. Well, that's not the case anymore. Yeah. And money and generational wealth is what took some of the biggest names away. I mean, $200 million upfront guaranteed before you even put the T in the ground. Mm. I mean, not many people can say no to that. And what's your commitment when you, when you do, when these guys are converting over, is it a, is it a term? Is there like a length of time? I think those things, how's that written? I would imagine that it's a three year minimum three year deal. Okay. But I'm sure, you know, when you're talking about Mickelson made over 200, right? I'm sure his commitment might be a little bit higher. Yeah. <laughs> but I, because he's kind of the face yeah. of it. You know, and he, this just got seen that he got suspended by the PGA Tour for two years for recruiting people. Oh, is that right? And they've never at, they've never openly discussed the suspension. But now the PGA, these players have filed a suit against the PGA wow. Tour for basically antitrust. And what they're going to try to find is collusion, right? So, I mean, all these things are testing – the devoutness of many organizations simultaneously. Yeah. And it is fascinating, a fascinating case study of devoutness. What are you devout to? And it's interesting. So does that mean he, even though he is a winner, obviously of some of the most prestigious tournaments, you know, call them the majors. Mm -hmm. When, when you get a two year suspension like that, can he not play in, the Masters U.S. He Open, he, he he can play because in those. they're not run by the PGA Tour. I got you. That's that's what I wanted that that yeah. differentiation between yeah. it. Okay. So he doesn't really Mickelson. I think was has dealing with other things on top of this PGA Tour stuff. Gotcha. But I mean, they can't say like the interesting ones. The Masters. If you win a Masters, you can play the Masters up until you're 65. Okay, gotcha. As long as you compete some. Yeah. Right. So they can't. They'll never be able to say Mickelson. You can't play. You know, the U.S. Open, you get an ex, you know like a five-year exemption for every major. The Open Championship, the one that's in in Europe, the yeah. one that's in England or Scotland or Ireland, they they are lifetime up until gotcha. sixty. Okay. And then after sixty, you can keep on competing if you're still showing that you compete. Yeah. Well, I think it's fascinating, is that right now in that group of players that have left the big names, Dustin Johnson, Kepka. You know, Patrick Reed, DeChambeau, Mick, and Mickelson. Mickelson and DJ and Patrick Reed have won Masters. So they'll be able to go play in the Masters forever. Okay. DeChambeau just won the U.S. Open during COVID. Yep. So he still has three more years that he can play in the U.S. Open. Gotcha. And then you have Kepka's won two PGA Championships and two U.S. Opens. Wow. So he has levels of exemption that expand outward. Yeah. So at the end of the day, those are the ones – those are the luxury guys. They were, it was much easier for them to take 200 million, 180 yeah. million because they are going to be exempt in to the majors going yeah. forward. But it's the other guys that have taken the money that don't have it. Yeah. That if, if they don't get world ranking points, then they'll never be able to play in a major championship gotcha. again. And there is the sticking point. Right. So when you think about levels of commitment, what are you committed to? Yeah. And be mindful 
of how devout you get to something that you might not fully understand. Yeah. And that's like the difference between people that demonstrate clarity in their devoutness. Yeah. Have done a lot of the recon, a lot of due diligence, and then they set their foundation and then take action. Yeah. A lot of people take action and then try to set the foundation and they've now succumbed. They've succumbed to something. Right. That they're, they may be more devout to than what they say they're devout to. Right. Which is, which kind of you started with. There are different levels of commitment yeah. and devout yeah. cranks up the volume. Yeah. How, how difficult, just to stay on that, that line of thinking, how difficult, I mean, for those guys that you just mentioned, you mentioned obviously the top of the top mm-hmm. in the profession right now. You know, whether it's DeChambeau or Brooks Kepka or Phil Mickelson, mm-hmm. you know, when, when this, when they first heard about this opportunity, you know, obviously your, your, your very being as it relates to being devout, you know, to the entity or the machine is now called into question. Yeah. How, how hard do you think it was for them to wrestle with that thought? Was it an easy decision? Do you think it was like, like I, I would love to get your insight on that because I think it does point towards the way being devout can pull you in directions or, or even pull you back from an opportunity Yeah, because, because it could be devoutness in an unhealthy way because you're, you're pushing towards an ideal image of something that, that may be a facade almost like Mm -hmm. chasing history or being one of the best of all times, or what's the perception of me, you know, rather than, man, I really do have a chance to take up my grandchildren's children, you know? And so I I wonder what, what that, what do you think that was like for them? Well, I hear, here's how I think it, I, I don't, I don't know this because I haven't spoken to any of them personally about this. But I would think that the the balancing point, the fine line in the sand between what are you devout to comes to this. Did they truly make the decision to benefit their family for generations to come? Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. Scott Grimes is here Thank with you. us. Voiceover, that is like my dream job. I think I just have too distinctive a voice and I can't manipulate it. That's why I'm right. not a good singer. This is how great Seth MacFarlane is. I went in to do it and I was talking like this and he goes, good, now just get rid of the neck thing that you just did because it's one, it's ugly. And then I just came out like this and came up with this guy named Steve Smith who has a tiny little lisp, but so does Scott Grimes, so it's perfect. What women binge wherever you listen. Or did they do it because of the money? Right. And, so, and that's a matter of the heart. Back to it again. But back to what you were saying earlier. I mean, that we don't know what that looks like in the shadows of their heart. Yeah. I, I mean, we don't know a man's heart. So then, then the next question would be is that if the next $200 million deal comes along, do they turn it down because they don't? They have already set their family up for generational wealth and they don't need it? Or do they take it again and now you know what they're really devout to? Money. So let's take a, a different spin. Tiger Woods. Yeah. Tiger Woods was offered $800 million. Is that go, what it was? $800 wow. million dollars oh, to go goodness. to live. Well, he's a billionaire. Yeah. Well, he can't spend that anyway. Right. He can barely spend the interest that he makes a year. Right. Right? Because if he's making 10% on reasonable investment, that means he has to spend $100 million a year to spend his interest. That's all. That's pretty hard yeah. to do, yeah. <laughs> right? So he said no. So what is he devout to? He's devout to his legacy, yeah. the game, Jack Nicholson, Arnold Palmer for how they started the PGA Tour and what it turned out to be. Yeah. 
Rory kind of the same. Yeah. He wasn't offered eight hundred million, but I think he was offered between four hundred and five hundred. Right. So I mean, at the end of the day, wow, they proved that they already have now taken care of the generational wealth. Yeah. For their family, now they're in it for the history, and for the the earmarking of their legacy on the yeah. tour. There is the there's the interesting. So there's a there's the people that have shown that okay, I've already taken care of the generational wealth piece. I've taken care of my family for you know generations to come. Yeah. Now if they'd have taken it again, now you know it's greed, which would be a devout to something that's cancerous or right. decaying right. of the, of the spirit. And I think that's where we all face is like. Yeah. If you're willing to say, I'm doing it for, to take care of my family, for the family that I never get a chance to know right. for the rest of my life, or, and then you do that and you stay to that, that's devout to that goal. Yeah. And if you then take the next thing that comes along, well, now you know what you're devout to. And I think that's what we're all, we're all tantalized. Mm-hmm. By you know the seven deadly sins, so to speak. Yeah, you know we're always tantalized by the things that bring down everybody. Yeah, slowly but surely. Yeah, you know I was just once again as our minds go different places. I was even thinking about like success ingredients of greatness. You know, different people that we both admire that we've talked about on this podcast for many many episodes. Yep. And I was thinking about the word devout, and just as you were talking right there about the those great uh, men that are in the golf world. I went to, uh, because I know we've talked about him before, is Peyton Manning, the way that he was devout in his preparation. And you talked about Jim Nance on a previous podcast, like the devoutness he has to get insanely prepared for a broadcast is the way that I, I think Peyton Manning, of all the things that you could say about him, like what is the one thing? I would say it was his, the deeper level of commitment or devoutness in the way that he prepared. And in fact, I posted a clip this week, I believe on social media of his retirement ceremony. Yeah. And, and he, that's what he said. He goes, I want my legacy to be that with every frame of film, with every drop of sweat, with every page that was written and coverage that was recognized, that I was devoted to the process of insane preparation. Yep. That was the secret sauce to my greatness. And I thought, man, that, you know, I, I was just, I've sit there because he was getting very emotional in that mm-hmm. re- retirement after 18 years he retired. And, but, I, you know, there's all of these guys. I mean, think about Tom Brady. He's devout to the way that he recovers and takes care of himself. You know, you think about Peyton Manning, he was devout to his preparation. You know, you think about LeBron James and Russell Wilson that are getting older in their age and the devoutness they have to their diet, their regimen, their strength training. You know, I think about other people. So, it, you know, devout can have all these other plug and play meanings of all these seeking ingredients mm-hmm. that makes people incrementally more successful than the guy sitting next to them. Yeah. But it starts with this devout, this energy that resides because it starts with what is your level of commitment? Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I just was thinking about Peyton Manning in that sense about just the way he was so devoted to the process of insane preparation. Yeah, and, and we talked about that in Anchor. Yeah, right. So Anchor, you think about, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, when yeah. you think about what keeps a ship stable in, in difficult waters, it's Anchor. Yeah. Right? So what keeps a person anchored in their life, their devoutness to their purpose? Yeah. There you go. And what is it? Yeah. What is that purpose? Is that we're we're asking you to figure out? Yeah. And whether you maybe you don't like 
the purpose that you've been your purpose driven life right now. Yeah. Because maybe it's not who you really are, or maybe what you thought. That's the thing. You have to forgive yourself too. Yeah. Like maybe when you were 25 and you you thought what you wanted, you were devout to being X. Yeah. And then you get to be like 38, and all of a sudden you're like, well, this isn't. Yeah. This hasn't turned out how I thought. So are you? You don't have you don't have to stay devout to something that you've learned or evolved from. Ultimately, then you would say you are devout to the foundation and faith in who you are. Yeah. I thought another thing that strikes me on the things that you said is that it's biblical. Your body is a temple. Yeah. Right. So the, these guys, as they get older, and we get more information about how to stay in peak and optimum health and how you can create that longevity longer, they are very devout. And their body is the temple. Yeah. Their mind, their body, their training, their recovery, their sleep. I mean, it's just like, it's endless. And Tom Brady clearly talks about he sacrifices the the partying. He sacrifices the golf pro-ams. Yeah. Until he's done playing football, his regiment on his diet and how he trains himself to be able to be, what is he, 44 or 45? He had an unbelievable year last yes. year. Like statistically for him, one of his top four. Wow. At forty four. Unbelievable. And how and, and it's because he is devout mm-hmm. to his program and his program is around taking care of number one. Yeah. And and the the temple that is Tom Brady then is the key to helping probably if you think about it hundreds if not thousands of others in the organization be able to stay devout to their purpose yeah because at the end of the day tampa bay was nothing until tom brady showed yep. up and, and it became a super bowl winner that's right and then think about like he elevated yeah the entire organization one man can do it and we've talked about it before in professional sports it's about the athlete yep. in college sports it's about the coach mm. one person can change the direction of everything. Manning's done it. Jordan did it. LeBron's done it. Yep. Steph Curry's doing it. On and on and on and on. But like, it's a—it's not just Tom Brady. It's every player on the football team. It's every person that works for the organization. Because the more success they have, the more success Tom Brady has, the more success every single person, even the person who's taking ticket stubs. Yes. Nope. There aren't tickets up here. Every person who scans the yeah. scans the cell phone. No more ripping those punch. <laughs> right. It's a it's a fascinating thing, and yeah. that's another thing that people need to be paying attention to in their devoutness is that the trickle down effect of yes. what you believe in it multiplies. Yeah, it's like dominoes. Yeah, you're the first domino. Yeah, but by the time all the dominoes fall, one domino could have impacted thousands yes. of dominoes. Yes, and that's a very powerful way to look at how you view your life, even if you're not the greatest quarterback in the NFL, but maybe you're, you know, working. I mean, most people might consider a menial job. Yeah. But if you, if you're devout to bring in your best every day, people will always take notice. If you're the greatest trash man ever, if you're the greatest sandwich maker Jersey Mike's ever seen, you know, people recognize the difference between somebody going through the motions and somebody who's committed to delivering yes. what you've been asked to deliver. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said there. Cause it, it does have a contagious effect on those around you. 
It's inspiring. Yeah. It calls people upward. And wh- what you said, I mean, really, when you think about Tom Brady, yeah, he had the pedigree and he has the resume. But I think the thing that started to have that effect, it started with his devout commitment level to mm. himself, to the calls, to the team, to the organization. To, I mean, uh, just that attribute alone started to multiply throughout the organization. Um, and then, you know, so it moves in this direction towards achieving things that we once thought weren't even possible. But because of the multiple, multiplication effect that he had, just starting with that attribute of who Tom Brady was. Mm-hmm. And it started to change the mindsets of everybody, like you said, even down to the people at the at the turnstile and the way they welcome the guests that are coming into the stadium. It had an effect yep. because it hooked in people into a cause bigger than themselves and it transferred devoutness into their stories and they felt like they were part of something. Yeah. But that started with one guy living one way with a mindset that was, you know, more severely con- committed to anything that we'd probably ever seen before. Yeah. And I would encourage people to take this into consideration. When we're talking about this, there's not one way. And here's my example to that. I'm going to give you three names who are radically devout and shook the foundation of an organization and took it someplace. But they did it in very different ways. Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. When you think of how Peyton Manning entered the team, he was positive, upbeat, bringing people. I'm not saying he wasn't firm when he needed to be firm. Yeah. But he was a he was constantly positive, constantly uplifting. Tom Brady's somewhere in the middle. He can get pretty harsh. Yep. But he generally is pretty positive in his talk. Yep. And then you watch the Last Dance, <laughs> and Michael Jordan delivered the message in a very yep. different manner. Little fire and brimstone. Yeah. So while being devout, don't sacrifice who you are. That's right. While trying to get there. If you're a fire and brimstone kind of guy, Jordan-esque, so to speak, you can always refine your delivery, but you're never going to be able to extinguish that kind of fire. But if you're Peyton Manning, you can't walk into the huddle fire and brimstone when you've notedly right. been Such a the uplifter. And this is always comes down to one of my favorite things that I talk about when I'm coaching. You know, I love to be Oprah Winfrey, but if I have to be Dr. Phil, yeah. <laughs> I will, but I'll hate every second of yeah. it. So Peyton Manning, I'm absolutely positive I've come down hard on people. Yeah. But his go-to is positive, uplifting, and committed to the level of greatness and trying to encourage yeah, come with me yes yep. where mike jordan wasn't say come with me no michael jordan was that's me grabbing you by the back of the shirt and you're coming i'm pulling you you yeah. i am pulling you with me <clears throat> yeah because i want to win you say you want to win and you don't have a clue how to win <laughs> that's how he delivered the yeah. message yeah ultimately so ultimately you could say they both worked yeah so that's what of all the things is like just all of these words that we're offering you aren't the only way. There are many ways to express and deliver devoutness. Yeah. Probably starts with a greater understanding of who you are as yourself. What do you have faith in, in yourself? Begin the foundation work to get those great things to be built for you and then take action with that in mind. Yeah. And I think that's the order. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree because I think before you can start to multiply or horizontally affect those that you are in community with or do relationship with or on a team with or mm. in an organization with, it starts with vertical alignment clearly with being devoted with who I was created to be. Mm-hmm. So like what you said, you know, understanding my purpose, what are my gifts? How do I embrace those gifts? How am I made? How am I intricately able to use all that I have for the betterment of others? But all of that's got to be owned first because that hooks you in with a level of commitment with, I, I, I even hate to even say it this way, but like being totally satisfied with who you are. Yeah. So that can be an outflow in the devoutness that you have to impact and to encourage others. Yeah. So, uh, well, I know how humble you are, but I think that it goes, this needs to be understood. You have changed career paths from being a basketball coach to being in the corporate world. Yeah. And in a really good situation. And one of the things we talked about while you were scared about the decision you were getting ready to have to make was you already had the foundation of Drew Maddox and who you actually are. Right. So it didn't make a real big difference whether you were coaching 16-year-olds with a ball in their hand or you're coaching adults to make this company the greatest machine that everybody's proud and can't wait to come to work for. Talk to us about what you learned about yourself in this, in this transition that was, it's not easy for anybody, especially as we get older. We're like, man, this is a make or break in your mind. You're probably thinking this is a make or break decision for me. Yeah. How did the, how did the word devout, create a foundation that allowed you to transition beautifully from basketball coach yeah. to C-suite of, of a company. Yeah. Well, it's, it's such a great point. And you know, there was a lot of <clears throat> difficult days of wrestling with that thought because I, I think at the core of the decision was really this as it relates to devout true self, who is drew and then ideal self, who is coach drew Maddox. And could Drew Maddox be okay if coach, basketball coach, wasn't in front of his name? Or is basketball coach Drew Maddox really a prop or a crutch to make sure that I'm fulfilling really the idols of my heart, status, power, acclaim, you know, look at what we've done kind of thing, and can I be okay? And so I think that the thing, the beautiful thing as it relates to devout, and I'm still on this journey of still asking a lot of these questions. I'm a year into this journey. So I don't want anybody to think I've arrived at a destination of fully understanding this. I'm much further along, but I think it's, it's, it's two things as it relates to, to my personal story that that I'm going to get with a faith perspective here for a second. Mm -hmm. I, I think in, in the way that, that God wanted to speak to me, he wanted to know me to know that if I took a step of faith, that he had me like, do you really believe that I have you like at the core? You may, you may say it, you may say it, but do you truly believe it at a level that you are totally committed and devout to what you say you believe about me? And I think that's been the beautiful thing in my journey is, is how the intimacy I have in that relationship vertically with my creator. And my sense of purpose and understanding all that he wants me to be and the impact he wants me to have on the world with the gifts that I've been given. 
I think too, the other thing that's been beautiful in this that, that really, as it relates to devout was just take it my family. Because I, I think the one thing I was wrestling with, it was a risk. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But but I was wrestling with, you know, my devoutness to my family could have honestly, in a kind of a twisted way, held me back from taking this opportunity. And instead, the beautiful thing, the devoutness they had towards me was the leaning into this of full support and full encouragement saying, Dad, you were created to do this. This is what you were born to do. This is what the last 15 years of your design to destiny has looked like. And there's this whole other people that are over here waiting on you to download those lessons and experiences. And they haven't ever heard it before. Yep. So the devoutness they had to me and knowing me of pushing me in a direction uh, in a healthy way with full love and support allowed me to take that next step of faith as well. So I think it was that vertical alignment, but then it, it was my family, but it was conversations you and I had. It was conversations I had with those that know me the most. Yeah. And so it, it even allowed me uh, to, to begin to take those steps, but it started with a devout connection I had with people that truly knew me and that I knew them and trusted what, you know, what they would tell me. And it just all lined up Virgil in such a beautiful way that this was an obvious, obvious thing that was set before me. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful story. I think the most important thing that I'd want people to hear there is that we're all doing things for X amount of time, whether you, you know, whatever it is that you're doing as a profession, but every now and again, doors open windows of opportunity open do you kick the door open or do you let the wind blow it closed and the people who let the wind blow it closed generally speaking don't have a foundation of either the faith that you described right or the foundation of the fundamentals of their life and the direction that they've operatively are trying yeah. to go and that's all changeable yeah so you can literally say right now after listening to this if Drew can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Because you're you're a human like anybody else, yeah. Drew. You had you were scared, Fear. you were, you didn't oh. know. You didn't know what you could do if you was going to work. But you had the foundation, you had the family foundation. Yep. And the foundation is at the bottom. So for you can build up. That's right. And if you don't feel like you have that foundation, that's where you start. That's what yep. we've talked about. Find the foundation of what it is that you are devout to. And then the sky is literally the limit on how far you can go when that is based around true purpose and faith and belief in whatever that is. Yeah. And that, that's my final thought for people yeah. is like, it's in, it's within everybody. It is within everybody. Yes. It's fear. The walls we create in our head are yeah. the, are the limits that we have. Amen. And if you ever need inspiration to be the person who's saying, today's the day I'm no longer going to be this person. Yeah. If you don't feel comfortable with asking anybody, you can ask us. Yes. If you feel like you don't want to ask us, there are stories on YouTube of people who have been in the bottom of the bottom who changed their life just by making a decision. Mm. A lot of what we face in life is a choice. A lot. Not everything. But a lot is a choice, and it all starts with you. Yeah. I mean, it, I couldn't have said it any better. 
if people are wrestling with, do I have purpose? Yes, you do. If people are wrestling with, do I have what it takes? Yes, you do. If people are asking, do I have unique gifts that need to be unleashed on the world? Yes, you do. And as you're saying, Virgil, like if you're wrestling with that and you can hear us speaking today, we're here to help you kind of uncover all of that. Mm-hmm. Because you do have value, you do have what it takes, and you are needed in this world. Your specific story is needed in the bigger story being played out. But uh, if, if you have a hard time trying to wrestle in your mind and in your heart what that looks like, I have so much margin in my time to be able to talk to people about that yeah. and bridge the gap between the impact you 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 where you are today and, and the, what the world needs. And not only that, just the potential gap with devoutness of where you are today and who you're becoming. Well, that's a beautiful way to close it, Drew. Well, we thank you all for joining us on this elevated mission of trying to uh, work on communication, working on understanding ourselves to be better and elevating others while doing so. Thank you for joining us and stay with us next week as we bring you another chapter from Excavated. Have a wonderful day.